0: Hey there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Today, we're going to get talk about getting your students to rock their text-dependent paragraphs with this study. Um, and this idea actually came about because one of our community managers, Sarah, who is fabulous on Team EB, uh, mentioned to us that our EB teachers could really utilize a podcast episode to reference for all of the questions that come up about many responses to literatures, or how do we do a paragraph using the EBW approach? Um, so we put you know, everything in that we could in order to support a lot of these questions that come up. So even if you don't use the EBW approach, you don't use our framework, what we're going to talk about is still going to be super helpful for you um, as well. So If you are ready for your students to rock their short responses, whether it's on a quiz, whether it's an in class assignment, or even on their homework that they're doing at home, we are sharing a mini framework today that students can follow for any short text dependent answer. This is going to help you so much. So, if you are an EB teacher who is a part of our EB writing program, you follow the EBW approach, our framework, Um, EBW again stands for evidence based writing we want you to have your students use a 10-step process or when we do the EBW approach, rather, we have our students use a 10-step process for these longer essays, for these responses to literature. And we often do that like at the complete end of a novel unit or the very end of a couple of short stories that we've read. But what about when we want our students to just write a short response, right? Maybe it's a paragraph for a short answer section on a quiz or a test, or maybe it's after reading a couple of paragraphs uh, chapters in the book that you want students to sit down and write a response that focuses on you know critical thinking questions that have come up throughout the novel, whatever it might be. And so we have this big framework, right, for a ma- like a regular essay, a multi-paragraph essay. But this is where we want to talk about a mini response to literature. How do we do this? And so ideally, students start writing mini responses to literature, or RTLS. After they've written full-blown RTLs, after they're already familiar with a complete multi-paragraph essay, that they're familiar with the 10-step writing framework that we teach in the EBW approach. This comes up a lot in our Facebook group with our teachers. If you are an EB writing program teacher, this might be a question that you've had is, well, can't I just teach the paragraph first? And the answer is we found that that doesn't work as well as teaching the complete framework first and then shortening it up from there. So whether your students follow a writing framework like our EBW approach or not, that doesn't matter. The shortened steps that we're gonna share today are really truly a must teach in your writing classroom.
1: And as you listen to this, as we go through this mini framework, you might think to yourself, like, wait a second. This sounds a lot like the race formula that I use in my classroom or that I have experience with, You know, where you restate the question, you answer the question, you cite the evidence, and then you explain. And yes, there are going to be elements that sound similar. But we actually invite you to see how this mini framework that we're sharing actually goes a lot deeper than race. And it creates a really well-organized, text-dependent response. So these five game-changing steps for a short text-dependent paragraph are, and you might want to pause and jot these down, but they're claim, premise, intro to evidence, and the evidence, justification, and a concluding sentence. So I want to break each of those down. So a claim is just a clear answer to the prompt that students are responding to. It's an answer to the question. It can be arguable, and they should be able to back it up with evidence, right? And in a short text-dependent response, the claim should identify the text and the author as well, okay? They should signify, like, this is what I'm writing about. Up next is the premise, and that's a reason that supports the claim. And then an intro to evidence, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a phrase that introduces the evidence. So it's something like the author states or according to the text, according to the author. And then the evidence is your exact quote from the text, and it should support both the premise and the claim. I think that's really key there, supports both of those things. And then the justification is where students analyze or evaluate the evidence. And it contains two sentences. This is like if you tuned out for a second, come back to this. Like this is so big. So two sentences for justification. The first sentence should explain how the evidence supports the premise. And the second sentence should explain how the evidence supports the claim. And I love that because it's so specific. I think that's really helpful for students. You're not just saying, okay, explain it. They're like, I thought I did. No, this is like, okay. Your first sentence is about this. Your second sentence is about this. And then finally, a concluding sentence wraps up the paragraph. So that's the framework, right? And there's some leeway there. Like you can actually combine your second justification sentence with your concluding sentence to make your writing flow better. And that might be something students do once they get a little bit more comfortable with this framework. Maybe you give your students some sentence stems to help them with that. Otherwise, you know, their paragraphs just kind of end all of a sudden. And you're like, Wait, I felt like there was more to say. So maybe you tell them, you know, try using in conclusion, the evidence presented strongly supports blah, 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 or based on the evidence, or this evidence leaves no doubt that. And I think when we give our students those sentence stems, yes, it sounds a little like robotic at first, but then once they got used to it, their writing does flow so much better and they can make those adaptations and make it sound better. And it just makes everyone happier.
0: Yeah, now that you have a breakdown, Jessica walked through everything. It's going to be helpful to kind of see what an example text-dependent paragraph looks like. So I'm going to give you an example right now. Um, and we're gonna answer the question: what is the theme of the story, The Little Red Hen? So this is a very basic question, a very basic example. In fact, this comes from our EB writing program. Um, and it's super, super simple for a reason so that we can focus on each of these aspects and components, as opposed to trying to think about, you know, some higher level analysis of something. We want it to be very basic. So I'm going to give you an example from The Little Red Hen. And we use the author's name of A Author um, simply because there are many authors over the years who are credited with writing this story. But if you wanted to find, you know, someone to put as an example to share with your students, Paul Galdone is one of the the authors who wrote one of the versions of this story. um, But for the sake of this example, we're going to use A author as the author's name. So don't get confused when I say A author. (laughs) Okay, so here's the example. In A author's charming children's book, The Little Red Hen, the little hen achieved her goal of baking bread, demonstrating that the theme of the story is hard work is rewarding. That's the claim. Okay, so we answered the question, what is the theme of the story, The Little Red Hen? demonstrating that the theme of the story is hard work is rewarding. That's the theme. So now we're going to have the premise, which is our reason. So the little red hen's consistent work in growing and harvesting the wheat allowed her to make delicious bread, even though it was difficult for the hen to balance taking care of her chicks and growing the wheat. That is one of my reasons as to why the theme of the story is hard work is rewarding. So my intro to evidence is basic. The author writes, That's it. Now, my evidence itself is she trudged to the barn, got the farmer's tools and cut down the big wheat plant. And then I have my citation. That's the evidence that I'm going to use. Now I'm going to go into my justification. Despite the hen's reluctance to do the work by herself, she put in the hard work anyway. In conclusion, this work would reward her at the end of the story by providing her with delicious homemade bread that she was able to enjoy. That's like the concluding sentence wrapped up with the justification that relates back to the claim. So again, super basic. Like, so it almost feels like we could teach this to a second grader, but that's the reason. We want it to be so basic, so simple for our students to understand, as opposed to think about it. If we gave our students an example, say from Othello or say from, um, I don't know, the House on Mango Street, they're going to get tripped up over all of these like bigger concepts, you know, and topics that we're talking about that we're losing sight of what we're trying to teach our students in this case, which is the framework itself to then be applied to what you guys are reading in class. So you can take that same exact example um, to share that with your students.
1: And even though it is basic, the framework, right? What makes this EBW approach so much stronger than a race response is that there are specific steps included. So yes, we have premise, intro to evidence, and then it's really that criteria for the two justification sentences. So when you think about it in race, it can be really vague for students when they're told to, Answer the question for that A part, right? They answer the question part. Well, do they automatically include a reason? No, not many students I know would automatically do that. They're just going to answer the question, leaving it really at a surface level. And then this was definitely me, and I'm guessing a lot of you can relate. How often do your students then just plop a quote in the middle of a paragraph simply because that's a requirement in the race formula to include evidence or to cite evidence, right? Letter C. So they just put one in there. They're like, I did it. But instead, with the EBW approach, because we include that step of introducing the evidence, you're kind of eliminating that whole drop a quote thing, right? And then by explicitly showing students, these are the type of sentences you need to write for justification. You have to have one that supports the premise. You have to have one that supports the claim. Automatically, then, their writing is going to be more fluid. It's going to connect back. It's going to make sense and not just feel like these short, abrupt sentences that don't relate to each other. So otherwise, if we don't give students those steps for the justification sentence, how many of our students just end up summarizing the evidence? So basically, like they're literally just repeating the quote and you're like, you didn't explain anything to me. I already know what the quote is. So we want them to dig deeper. And that's how that Criteria for the justification makes the writing so much stronger. So using this five-step EBW approach for many text-dependent responses, it's really ideal for analyzing key scenes in a novel or having short answer responses on a quiz. You can even use it in silent debates, right, where students are responding to questions on posters and responding to their classmates. It gives students that framework. It gives them structure for their responses. And there are so many benefits to giving them this framework, to use with their short text-dependent responses. So I want to kind of explore those for a second. Maybe you'll consider some of them. First, they help students with their reading comprehension. They have to focus on key scenes in the text that build up to a final response to literature. So they're analyzing as they read. They're not just waiting until the end to really like dive into the analysis of the novel or the short story or whatever it is. Second, because students are writing these quick mini responses that are really only a few sentences long, they can write several of these throughout the week, which makes this like a really awesome spiral review activity. Students are constantly practicing, how can I back up my claim with relevant evidence? How can I come up with strong premises? How can I justify And it's way less intimidating than writing these full-blown essays, and yet it still helps them later on because they've had all this practice. So now when they get to an essay, they're like, I've got this. And then because students are consistently relying on a framework that follows a clear structure, they get ample practice. They improve their organization. They make stronger logical arguments. And you think about this, like their writing proficiency also improves because the framework is becoming ingrained in their memory. So once they have it down, they're like, yep, claim, yep, premise, intro to evidence, I've got this. Well, now they can go deeper and say, "Okay, how can I add in some strong vocabulary? How can I make this sentence not a simple sentence, maybe a compound complex sentence? Yeah, maybe fifth graders aren't doing that, right? But your seventh and eighth graders certainly can do that. And then another benefit is that when your students know, okay, I'm going to be writing a lot of these with Miss Kanata or Miss Mitchell or whoever it is, right? When they know that they're going to be doing that throughout the week, they're going to be more engaged with the text they're reading because they have to be thinking all the time. Oh, is this a good good piece of evidence that I can use in a question? They're not just passively taking in the information. They're consistently analyzing because they know I'm going to write about it today. I'm going to write about it tomorrow. I'm going to write about it next week. So hopefully that gives you some like motivation to say, like, I'm going to try these text dependent responses in my classroom. And I think it would be really helpful to see how Caitlin did this. I know when we taught together um, at our school in L.A., she did a ton of small text-dependent responses in addition to, of course, a response to literature. And I remember it clearly with your Esperanza Rising example. And I was looking back, actually, at some of um, our very early resources. And we had notes about all your questions that you used. So it was kind of fun to re-explore that. But I thought it'd be really helpful if you shared, like, how did you structure that during a novel unit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that came up for me when I you know, sat down to create my Esperanza rising unit back, you know, however many years ago that was at this point, um, I got, I was, you know, concerned with, okay, how am I actually going to get my students to walk away from this novel with what I want them to walk away with, right? I was coming from high school down into seventh grade. It was just kind of a different ball game for me at that time. So I thought about, okay, The way in which I can do this is if you look at the book itself too, and this works with a lot of different texts where there are certain um, key scenes within a couple of chapters that align to a certain theme that maybe you want to focus on. So I'm going to give you an example for our Esperanza Rising unit that I created is throughout the novel as I was creating it, I paused on several key scenes throughout that book and I thought, thought about that key scene. I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a great part of the novel for students to write a mini text-dependent paragraph. And writing this paragraph now at the end of this scene is going to help set them up for success when they go to write their final response to literature or when they answer our essential question. And the, what I just said there is key, is your essential question for whatever novel unit it is that you're focusing on, that essential question is going to start to dictate what you do kind of with the rest of the book. So it all works backwards from there. We could talk about a whole conversation around backwards planning and backwards design. Um, But for the sake of this example, I just want to give you the main essential question that we had for Esperanza Rising. And that question was, how does the meaning of rising change throughout the novel? That's difficult. That's a hard question for seventh graders to answer. And coming from high school lens, I'm like, okay, I can't just give them that question at the end of this unit. Like I got to really help get them there and set them up for success. So what I did then is using that essential question is my lens through which I was looking at everything else, I then broke the novel down into seven different key scenes that focused on particular themes that were ultimately going to lead them to successfully answering this particular essential question. So let me give you two examples. So key scene one was all focused on those first few chapters of the novel, and that was on personal defining moments. So that was what we were talking about in that key scene one, personal defining moments. Key scene three later in the text was learning how to live differently, right? So I wanted students to write a mini text-dependent paragraph based on the question, determine whether personal strength and courage are emotional, spiritual, or physical. Support your answer with evidence from the text. That's a difficult question. But because we're focused on a key scene, students aren't like frantically searching for this information all throughout the text. It's not overwhelming. It's very much on this part of the book of learning how to live differently, that theme, that lens through which we're looking at this key scene. So I had seven different key scenes throughout Esperanza Rising. And I had students use, you know, this mini EBW approach to answer seven different text-dependent questions throughout the reading of our novel. And ultimately, them practicing writing those seven different text-dependent responses completely set them up for success when they went to write that huge multi-paragraph essay at the end of the novel unit. And what was great is that students are doing intentional writing throughout a novel unit. This is what, sorry, I'm going to go off on a little tangent right here. This is what I struggle with sometimes. So we have a paragraph of the of the week resource. It's super helpful, I think, for like fifth grade. But when we're talking about seventh, eighth grade, some of us are high school English teachers listening to this as well. We want to make sure that what our students are writing about are really actually relevant to what we're doing in class. Otherwise, it's like teaching grammar in isolation and then not bringing it into what we're doing in writing, right? So I think sometimes we have like a paragraph of the the week resource, it's great. And it's completely disjointed from what we're trying to do when we're teaching, reading, and writing together if that falls into your bucket, which you are teaching, reading, and writing together, which we believe that you should if you could. Um, But whatever, that's a whole other topic that we can go into. And I don't want to be on my soapbox for too long. But what this allows us to do As students are writing about what they are reading about, and we are combining the two aspects of ELA that we we get to teach in a seamless way that makes sense to our students, right? I'm taking this concept from writing and I'm applying it all the time to what I'm doing with this novel that I'm reading. And I love that because it gives students this gift of this is what it looks like to think about and write about literature in a different way than maybe you've been used to doing in the past. And that's such a great gift to be able to give to them. And so I want to walk you through what this might look like in your classroom on your own during a novel. unit. How do you do this too? Right. Um, but before I do that, I want to say one other little thing that I would do occasionally with my students is every time after each of those key scenes, I didn't always have them individually write these short responses. Sometimes I put them in groups and I would have them put the response on a big piece of butcher paper and they would present their findings to the class. And so now they're working on their speaking and listening skills, right? So it's like we can make these small little adaptations. to what we're doing in our classroom with our students, we can hit so many more standards. We can get them up and moving around the classroom. They're working with their peers. They're working on collaboration. It's not, it doesn't always necessarily just have to be read, sit in my desk and write, right? So I just want to offer that to your brain. Okay, so I want to walk you through what this might look like in your own classroom during a novel unit. So the first thing that you want to sit down and do is segment your novel into key scenes based on themes. This is the hardest part. 100% hands down, it might take you some time. Um, And you do it once for the text one time. If I ever went back to the classroom, I have this done for every single book that I've ever read with my students. And what you'll notice as you read the text is you will start to inherently see that Parts of the text just kind of fall into categories and themes that you can discuss with your students. If that's too hard for you, you could type it in online. What are some of the themes in House on Mango Street? What vignettes align to that theme, right? And you can organize it based on that. So you don't necessarily just have to do it from your own brain power. Then after you segment your novel into key scenes, You're then going to create mini essential questions. Those are the questions that your students are going to write those short text-dependent responses to for each key scene. So if you have seven key scenes, you're going to have seven mini essential questions. This is where you can use chat GPT to help you come up with ideas for your questions. Utilize that resource all the time as much as you can. Then students write their short text-dependent paragraphs using the uh, steps that we discussed earlier, right? They're going to have claim. Premise, intro to evidence, evidence, justification, and then a concluding sentence. And these paragraphs that students are writing in response to these many, you know, essential questions, these are laying the foundation for that final, more complex, evidence-based essay that students are going to write at the end of the unit. And that serves as a super helpful confidence-building exercise right? They are practicing. It's literally like practice before going into the championship game, or it's like having scrimmages during the off season so that when you show up for that regular season, you're ready to go because you freaking practice, right? So this is super helpful for our students. And I want to make sure that you guys actually take advantage of doing this with your students. This is going to help. I know test scores aren't everything, but this is going to be like kind of that differentiating factor for you imagine if you didn't do this with your students and you read and you taught and sure you use the evidence tracker which 100 you should still be utilizing even with what we're talking about today but that's all you did and they wrote their essay how many times are they writing a text dependent response four times for some of us five times for some of us right imagine if they could do it seven times eight times throughout the course of one text that you're studying that's giving them so much more opportunity that's also an added benefit for you because these little guys are so much quicker to read. It's so much easier to grade a short response. They've had all this practice. They get to the final re- essay, the final response to literature, and it's like, okay, they're golden. So we really, I'm sorry, that was intense. I got super intense talking about, but I really wholeheartedly believe in approaching teaching, writing, and a novel unit this way because it makes a freaking difference for your students. It makes a difference for you. So I compose myself. Really hope <laughs> that you will give this Evidence based writing, this EBW approach to a mini response to literature, a try with your students. Let us know how it goes. Share with us on Instagram. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a YouTube video about this at some point. Let us know. We're over on that YouTube video in the comment section. Um, If you're an EB teacher and you want to let us know in the Facebook group, you know, how this is serving you, please by all means let us know because it really is one of those game changing strategies. So if you do want more practice with evidence-based writing with your students, we have a great resource that you can use that's free. It's called The Case of the Missing Pearls. It's a super fun, engaging activity, as always, right, at EB Engagement and Rigor. Those are our two kind of like rallying cries. And you can go to ebacademics.com forward slash pearls to grab that free resource. Jessica, is there anything that you want to add on to that? No,
1: I just love taking it all in. I was like, yes,
0: preach on. Like, I'm (laughs) such a firm believer in this.
1: And I just think you really are going to see differences. So- Hopefully you guys liked this episode and what we're talking about. And
0: thank you to Sarah for
1: bringing it to us and saying we need more information on this.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, Okay, so that's it for this week. Next week, we are answering your burning ELA teacher questions. So we sent out an email to everybody and we asked, you know, what are you struggling with right now? And we took some of those like top questions that came in and next week on the podcast, we are going to answer them. So if you submitted a question, you want to make sure that you come listen to see if your name gets noticed and we pick your question next week. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, you guys. And we'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye everybody.